0: Today, the message is titled, Rhythm of the Word. And I'm afraid I think I know what that means to you. So uh, you might think that I'm the person up here who's going to tell you again that uh, you really should do a daily devotional. Let's see if that happens. Um, Rhythm of the word. I'd like to do something completely out of your comfort zone this morning. Just way outside your comfort zone. So stand up with me if you would and can. Uh, Just want to enter into the Lord's presence in prayer. But I want three of you. I didn't choose anybody ahead of time, I didn't appoint anybody. Just like three of you to pray for this message and for our response. Now, elders are always ready to do that sort of thing. So, elders, stand down for a few minutes. If it gets really uncomfortable, you can jump in. So, go ahead, just three people pray for us this morning. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Prayer is another rhythm. Yeah, go ahead and be seated. That's all right. Um, Prayer is another rhythm that is part of what it means to live the Christian life. Communication with our Father, telling Him our heart and hearing back from Him. What a beautiful thing that is. And it's incredible to me that God makes that not just possible for us, but kind of the way things work. I mean, think of others. Think of religious systems out there. They don't all function that way. So this is a real blessing, to be able to enter into rhythms that nurture us, that encourage our relationship with our Father. And so I want to speak to you this morning about the rhythm of the word. So let me get right into it. Dancing is not something we often talk about in church. And my guess is that there are probably not many of us here who are really good at it. If you've spent some effort, however learning to dance, um, you might be able to engage in several different dances. Uh, For example, you might like to waltz. Everybody likes to waltz, don't they? No hands up. (laughs) Um, Okay, if you don't like to waltz, maybe you like to do the Charleston. We'll go on the opposite end of things there. there's one Charleston dancer out there. Okay, you might like to do the Charleston or you might like to maybe lindy or swing, Um, two-step, boogie-woogie, samba, rumba, cha-cha. Oh, the twist. There you go. Or engage in any number of other dance styles, right? So... This might surprise you, but not every style of dance relates to every style of music. Is that shocking? Not for most of us. See, you just can't boogie to waltz music. You just can't. You, you get a, a nice Strauss waltz going there and you just that's just not the same thing. And do you know why? It's because the rhythms don't match. A waltz is built on a rhythm that has three beats per measure, and that results in a dance that is based on a pattern of three steps. Real easy, right? The correlation is one-to-one sometimes. The pattern of three beats in a waltz continues from the beginning of the song to the end of the song, and it doesn't change. The cha-cha is based on four beats per measure, but the fourth beat is syncopated. Cha-cha-cha, as everybody knows, there is a difference, right, between cha-cha and cha-cha-cha. Cha-cha-cha is based on four beats per measure as well, but it's the third beat that's syncopated. See, the dances that follow consist of five steps, cha-cha and cha-cha-cha, based on four beat measures. These dances consists of five steps, the cha-cha with two slow steps followed by two quick steps and a stretched out fifth step. The cha-cha-cha has two slow steps, one beat per step and three steps stretched out over the last two beats. Let me see if I can make it simpler. Um, Boogie Woogie is a classic 12 bars blue. 12-bar blues built on a repeating pattern that runs for 12 measures or bars in which the bass line sets the pace, and it's typically played at 8 beats to the bar, hence the phrase, beat me, daddy, 8 beats to the bar. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I'm probably losing you here, aren't I? Okay, the point is this. Rhythm and the dance have to match or you have trouble. Pretty simple stuff, right? Not only do they have to match, but the rhythm of the music determines what the dance will look like. So tell me the truth here. When you heard me say that the title of the message was Rhythm of the Word, what did you think I was going to talk about? God's Word. What about it? The way it works. works. Excellent. And, you know, maybe integrated with our life. So you probably thought I was going to talk about devotions. No, I'm going to talk about dancing some more. (laughs) Because life is a kind of dance. Okay, so have you ever seen Dancing with the Stars? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. So for those of you who don't know, Dancing with the Stars is a dance competition. Okay, forget the part about it's mostly entertainment for us. But Dancing with the Stars is... Presumably, a dance competition. And in that competition's stars are paired up with professional dancers. Some of those pairings are really good. I'll just leave it there. The professional dancers train the stars in specific dances, and they, that is the dancers and the stars, are free to add their own kind of flair and dramatic interpretation to the dances, but they are scored in competition partially on how well their dance conforms to the original design and the intention of the specific dance. And, of course, flair and interpretation are expressions of each dancer. So what you end up with in Dancing with the Stars is an interesting combination of technical skill and physical ability and something that displays the artistic expression of the dancers and their coaches. It's very much both technical and personal. Technical because there's a design to each dance based on a rhythm and personal because the dancers can express themselves. In very much the same way, life is a dance governed by rhythms. The final expression of those rhythms is a combination of conforming to some technical design and adding personal flair. Variety is the spice of life, or so it's said. Some of us don't like that much spice. So here's where things get interesting. Dancing with the stars is competition. And because it's competition, it has requirements. It has boundaries. And it has judges. Life is not competition. However, it still has requirements, boundaries, and a judge. In Dancing with the Stars, there are rules that give structure to the competition... And there are guidelines that give the dancers a framework for success. Life also has rules and guidelines. And by the way, we can be successful in it. So, as much as there are similarities between dancing with the stars and life, uh, there are also some differences. The primary and fundamental differences are in the goals and persistence of each one. Because you see, the goal of dancing with the stars is to win the competition, right? The goal of life is to live well, whatever you might think that means. Winning the dance competition means being crowned with a passing and fading glory. But living well brings an eternal crown of glory. It's so much more important to live the dance of life well than it is to dance well through life. So what are the rules What are the rules that give structure to life? What are the guidelines that provide a framework for success in life? What rhythm is there that forms the basic pattern of the dance of a life well-lived? The first two things, rules and guidelines, you know, they're just words, And just like rules and guidelines in Dancing with the Stars, there are some written rules somewhere on some page. They're just words. They have meaning, but they're just words. The important thing in Dancing with the Stars is the dancing. More is it. See, rules and guidelines, they're kind of like, Rules are the do's and the don'ts, and the guidelines are wisdom. God does that with us. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but in God's word, there are things God says, don't do this, because if you do, that is sin. And there are some things in God's word where he says, do this. If you don't do it, that's sin. But there are a lot of places in God's word where he goes, this is wisdom. Walk in it. See, there's a lot more of those. And in fact, when God says, this is wisdom, he generally adds this to it as well. If you walk in it, I will bless you. See, along with the do this, but then you don't, or don't do that, but then you do, along with that, You know, that comes the judgment, right? Judgment comes with that. There's all kinds of consequences that are negative to doing things God said don't do or to not doing things that God said to do. But when it comes to the wisdom things, God gives us the choice. He's not saying sin or not sin. He's saying wisdom, and I will bless wisdom. So I've chosen three passages of Scripture to kind of illustrate this. Because wisdom contains the words of God, the rules, and the guidelines. And, of course, they're just words. And the idea of them in Scripture, by the way, in both the Old and New Testament, the ideas are the same. All of these ideas are wrapped up in the concept of words that they are just like what's coming out of my mouth right now. They're words you say. But along with that comes the idea that they carry the meaning that the speaker intends. Words could also be written down, but in the same way, they carry the meaning that the writer intends. Words can also, I mean, the, the word, words, words, when you see it in scripture, can also mean the idea or a teaching. So let me go to these three passages. One, the first one is Psalm 1, the whole Psalm. So you might want to turn there if you have your Bibles open. I have mine open. And Psalm 1 reads thus. How Blessed is the one, the man, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the seat, I'm sorry, stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, And in his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not so but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. There aren't, well, there are. There are some rules right there, but there is also Some guidelines right there. The rules are this. Uh, Do not, do not walk according, that is live your life according to the counsel of wicked. Right? Avoid wickedness. Do not walk in wickedness. Do not stand with sinners. Right? Do not take the position of the scornful or of scoffers. God gave us 3 don'ts, do not. And when we go against those things, we're going against his command, it's sin. But then he tells us he gives us wisdom. He gives us guidelines. For at the very beginning he says, "How blessed." And when you when you say that, it's like there's no way to measure this. How blessed. I don't know, how blessed? It's a big blessing. It's so big I can't even think of something to contain the totality of how big the blessing is. So how blessed is the person who does not and does not and does not, but delights in the law of the Lord? Now, he didn't say do. He just said, this person is blessed. Here's wisdom. Delight in the law of the Lord. Meditate on his law day and night. You know what the blessings will look like? A tree planted by streams of water. Right, Fruitfulness. The whole idea about his leaves not withering, being someone who provides protection. If you ever think about that and you wonder, go back to the book of Ezekiel, go back to the book of Job and find out about this illustration. Job is talked of as a tree that provides a place for the birds of the air to nest and provides shade for those who might be weary and, and because Job was blessed by God and poured that blessing out on others so that's the kind of thing Psalm 1 is saying yeah there are some rules but there's also this path of wisdom so let me ask you to do this for a moment Just consider, how would you ever know this if you didn't read it? You'd never know what things to avoid. You'd never know what things God blesses. Consider that as we move to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 verse 24 through twenty-seven, <clears throat> This is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. So if you're at all familiar with the Sermon on the, the Mount, you know that Jesus just gave a lot of wisdom. Here's wise. Here's foolish. Here's what God blesses. Here's what you should do. Here's what you shouldn't do. And he concludes that message with this thought. Everyone who hears these words of mine, remember the words can mean teaching and that's just what he was doing. He was teaching precepts, concepts. He was teaching principles and he was giving commands by the words coming out of his mouth. So Jesus at the end of the Sermon on the Mount says, everyone who hears these words of mine And acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house. Yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So in this extended passage, the whole Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us many of the things we've been talking about. He's speaks of some rules but he also gives us guidelines and at the very end he's saying pay attention to the words they have meaning and they have meaning beyond just you know the philosophical or the dictionary meanings of the words they have meanings that apply to life and when you take the teachings which consist of words that have meanings, and you apply those words and meanings in your life, then good things happen. When you don't, bad things can happen. And interesting that he should say that the wind blew and the rain came, the floods rose up, there is no house in the world it can create a flood or a storm or wind so all of these things that happened to these houses came to them from outside and yet Jesus has said put the words the things that I've taught you inside and when things come at you from outside you'll be able to stand but don't take them in don't apply them don't make them a part of your life don't make them the footing the foundation the walls the structure the blueprint the reinforcements of your life and when bad things come from the outside you're liable to collapse under the pressure of them he didn't use almost any of those words but that was the teaching and then in verse 28 he makes this interesting statement when jesus had finished these words the crowds were amazed at his teaching for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes there are all kinds of teachings out there that are not authoritative and yet You may think that they are. The scribes were interesting people. They had been trained by rabbis, by technicians. They were like the Dancing with the Stars professional dancers. They knew the steps. They knew the beats. They understood the rhythm. They understand how to interpret. But, man, their their teaching lacked authority. There's elsewhere in uh, Mark... When Jesus is teaching in, his, in Capernaum, he's teaching and the people have the same kind of amazement because his, what it says is the words coming out of him. See, when he was teaching, he was using his words, right? When the scribes and the Pharisees and the rabbis would teach, they would use other people's words. Such and such a rabbi interprets this passage this way. Such and such another rabbi interprets it this way. So how are we to understand it? We are to understand it in terms of both of these perspectives. But Jesus taught directly from the word, and the words that he taught came out from him. And it says in Mark, the people were amazed at the gracious words falling from his lips because he spoke as one who has authority. And later on, he comes, they use the same kind of terms to describe him, but he had just said, pay attention and do because the rules are one thing. The principles are another. But where the rubber meets the road is when the word is part of the rhythm of your life. He didn't say, Jesus right here did not say, you should read the word every day. He didn't say, wake up in the morning and have a devotion. What he said was, hear the words and do them. Hear the teachings and follow them. Third passage I'd like to present this morning is, in Philippians, Philippians 4, verse 28. So if you want to turn there, that would be good. Philippians four, twenty-eight. Did I say 28? Just 8. Philippians 4, 8. Philippians 4, 8. This is Paul writing to the church at Philippi. And he says, after he makes a long argument, he says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise... Dwell on these things. No command there. Well, there is kind of, he says, Dwell, let your mind think, meditate on these things. Think about this kind of thing. So um, I said earlier, just a few minutes ago, that, you know, there's all kinds of teachings out there. Some are not authoritative. Some of them borrow from Authorities and try to make it sound authoritative, but are all of those things um, true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, have a good reputation? Are they excellent? Are they praiseworthy? God recommends that we dwell on these things. He actually says, this is wisdom. This is what God blesses. So part of the rhythm of my life needs to be identifying things. I have to identify things. Not only that, I have to evaluate them. I have to characterize them. I have to look at things and go, is that true? So there are all kinds of sources of information. So let me ask you, what are you filling your mind with? What are we filling our minds with? Do uh, do you have to have the twenty four hour news cycle on twenty four hours a day? Fill your mind with whatever happens to be being reported at the time. Um, Is your mind filled? Are you consumed by political discord? There's plenty out there. Social unrest. It's a good week for it. But but it's a good week to consider whether we're being consumed by social discord and social unrest. Um, What about ungodly philosophies? Is your mind being filled with ungodly philosophies? Let me name three sources of ungodly philosophies that are not true. They are not good. They are not pure, they are not right, they do not have good reputation, I'm just going to say these and you can carry this with you and put them into the rhythm of your life as you go through the week. Here they are. Yoga, video games, paganism. Next page. (sighs) There's one other thing. There's a principle, a principle that defines dancing. It, it, dancing is done with a partner. Oh, yeah, I get it. There are higher forms of dance like ballet, and sometimes a person dances by themselves. But in ballet, there is always a story. There's always a protagonist. There's always an antagonist. And the dance always moves the story forward. There's always a partner. So what? Choose your partner well. We go through the dance of life. Choose your partner well. Philippians 4 9, very next verse, goes this way. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Here's a promise. And the God of peace will be with you. Anybody here not desire that the God of peace be with them? Like all the time? What does it take? Why would God do that? Why would he choose to be with me all the time? It's because there's a principle here. There's a rhythm that results in a dance of life. That rhythm, hearing the word, meditating on it, allowing it to go deep and change our life, live it out. That's a rhythm. There are three beats in that rhythm. If there's a fourth, it's act wisely. And reap God's blessing. So, as we go through life, as you dance the dance of life with information, with teaching, with all different sources, with the responsibility to exercise. I mean, how many times, if you've seen Dancing with the Stars, how many times has the star... Had a great coach, but the star had no physical strength, no endurance, no natural sense of rhythm, no talent, and there's no way they could end up winning the competition. But even for those who have all of those things, they sweat and work and learn and practice constantly in order to win the competition. That's what the dance of life really is. It's not, it's not the big show that comes on TV once a week. It's all the blood, sweat, and tears that comes during the weeks of practice and strength training and recovering from sprains. <clears throat> and a good partner... Can move you through all of that. So, in life, choose your partner well.